Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Ellie Molina. Amazon best-selling author, international advisor to public figures, celebrities, and business professionals, and longtime educator. Ellie holds a master's degree in linguistics from NYU and has been in education for four decades. She's appeared on network television discussing intuitive development in children, and she is the founder of PsyKids, where children and adults learn to develop, trust, and utilize their psychic and intuitive abilities. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Hi, Jeff, and thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited to talk about a lot of things. Well, let's just start here. How did you get involved in teaching psychic abilities to children in the first place? Uh, that started back in, in the, I'm going to date myself. It started back in the 1980s. Uh, in the 80s, I was teaching middle school. And at that time, I was teaching English as a second language. And I noticed that the kids began to telepathically communicate with one another. And then we started playing these memory exercises with vocabulary. And then I switched the vocabulary. And rather than did memory with vocabulary, I started putting the images down flat and asking the kids what was the image so they couldn't see it and then they would say a oh, house book and then I would turn them over and they would have the correct image so they were already doing some form of seeing without their eyes so today we call that remote view remote viewing whatever you want to call it but they were able to see without their eyes so I started to expand on that and play with it back in the 80s and I had this vision of creating a course one day, someday that would be called You Can Do This Too. And that was my fascination with teaching children how to do this. And it just stayed with me and carried over. And each year it got stronger and stronger. And then the big turning point came for me in 2005 when The Secret was shown for the first time. And I think it was also around 2004 with What the Bleep and 2005, it all came out together. And then I said, okay, if that is out and that's in the movies and that's available for people, I'm going to show this to my middle school. Now I wasn't teaching middle school ESL any longer. Now I was in New York public schools. And I said to myself, all right, you know what? If they can watch The Secret at home, I'm going to watch The Secret with them. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to learn these principles in the classroom. And that was the beginning. And I took that and blended it with psychic development. Why stop at just affirmations when I knew that there's a whole realm of other mind powers available to us. And that's where I started. That's amazing. I mean, I wish I would have watched The Secret when I was in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit more about when you saw the kids doing psychic things, like how did you notice them? What were they doing? Can you remember about that? 
Sure. So I'm going to go back a little bit and share some of some experiences that may help. Mm. When I was so I've always been psychic. I'm a psychic and I'm an intuitive and I've always had that. But I grew up at a time where it wasn't cool. So that was a closet thing. Nobody knew that I could do this. And so by the time I was 12 years old, rather than play, you know, play, do other things, I was doing telepathic exercises with in my spare time. I take a deck of playing cards, flip them over, you know, to see if it was, you know, an ace or if the card was red, or I would look for suits and numbers with my eyes closed. And that was what I practiced. And I practiced that with my friend. So we would do that all the time. So it was a normal progression for me actually to get into a classroom and have a card. It was just normal. It was in my, my consciousness. Here's a card. What's underneath that card. Let's find out. So it just became, um, it was normal for me, Jeff. And so then when the kids started to do this, and then they started to practice with each other, oh, I'm holding a card here. What's behind my card? I mean, it was, let's say it was a four. We did numbers. We did simple things first. It wasn't like we were just going off to do advanced um, telepathic experiences here, but we did some numbers. And then the other kid, now remember, they didn't speak English that well back in the 80s in that particular class. So a four, they would know four. And they would hold it over there and then they would say four. Okay. And then imagine the excitement that they had while they're doing this. So not only are they learning vocabulary, okay, they're also learning that they are telepathic and they have other mind powers that they have never explored. So then that started to turn into self raising self-esteem, raising consciousness, empowerment. It doesn't, it, there's no end to where that can go. Is it easier to learn to use your psychic power as a child versus being an adult? Absolutely. So we know from neuroscience and from science anyway, that children are naturally in the alpha state until they hit puberty. And so in the alpha state, that is where the brain waves are slower. It becomes so easy. You know, some spiritual people like to call it the veil. It has been lifted during that time. So whatever you want to call it, you're in alpha and imagination rules at that time. So they can see things, they can do things. Unfortunately, the parent or the adult around them will discredit it. And that leads into another conversation sidebar. But what happens is once we hit puberty and our brainwaves begin to quicken and we get into that beta brainwave state, we have to go into meditation in order to access the alpha to what they can do naturally and normally, we have to go do work on. So is it easier for kids? Absolutely. And even though they will go into beta and they, you know, their brains will change, the fact that they were able to do this, again, the subconscious is working. I know that I can do this. I've done this before. I've done this a hundred times. So I know that I can do this and I can access it faster. I can drop into alpha faster than somebody who's never meditated. What do you think about kids playing video games? Does that affect their psychic abilities? It affects a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> so, and I hear this a lot. So within the realm of doing this work, um, it doesn't affect their psychic abilities. 
what it does is they lose interest. They don't see any interest. There's no point. So this is what I've been noticing. The more that kids are playing video games at an earlier stage, the lack of interest in learning to develop their mind powers. Now, that is a generalization. It could be because of the families that they're coming from. Okay, so remember, we are a product of our environment. So if a family is not having, doesn't put their kid in front of a TV set or a big screen from early on, that child may be those parents may be raising the children to start to look more at nature, to look more at phenomena, to pay attention. So they may, they have different, um, a different awareness as opposed to a child who then goes to school all day and gets plopped in front of the screen, whose parents don't necessarily speak to them or interact. So that is, so it's really more a product of the, the environment in, you know, and then when they are introduced to this, the world of, video gaming is so fascinating so then comes well why would i bother doing that it's like who cares about that why i don't need that so there's no interest and then later on as these people and and i'm speaking from i'm actually speaking from experience okay so later on because i'm watching with my i watch with my own students the ones who did not you know who didn't do this work uh who weren't interested and then there is but they were exposed to it but they didn't want to be doing it and then later on there's like this circling back and even emails to me or you know little chats, you know, I wish I had paid more attention to this. I wish I had used what you taught us better. So then comes this, oh, but not for everybody, Jeff. Again, you know, it's where we end up, where we land and where we go. Some people can stay in what I, you know, what we call the third dimension in that space of never being conscious or aware. So do video games affect our psychic abilities? Yes and no. Depends on how they're being used and who's using them. Do you know if there are any video games that help develop the psychic abilities? I don't know about video games right now, Jeff. I do know that there are a lot. There are a number of apps out there that um, help adults and children develop their psychic abilities. But I don't know. I can't speak for video games. I have not checked them. But that's a great question and worth looking into. So I was reading about your history, and at some point you eventually moved to Washington State, and that's where you started developing a school and or the Kids. Can you tell us mm-hmm. more about that? Yes. So let's go back a little bit to New York. So I was in New York, and I had a wonderful, wonderful superintendent, not superintendent, I'm sorry, principal. And she said, you know what? I love the work that you're doing. You've had great results with the affirmations and the kids doing really well on these English language assessment tests. And we're going to give you the opportunity to teach a program all year long to seventh grade middle schoolers called the power to create. So during that time that I was teaching the power to create, my focus was on expanding mind okay the expanding mind and you know how you know how the world works what we focus on we then start to attract and so by me teaching this all of a sudden I came across I came across a community in Washington state where there was an actual school that was already teaching this it was known as the children's school of excellence they were doing neuroscience they were doing psychic abilities they were doing telepathy telekinesis they were doing amazing things within the regular curriculum and I said, I'm going there. Now, I happened to have, uh, at that time, my youngest son was going into middle school. And I didn't want him going into middle school in New York. I, I 
just didn't want him going down that path. So I, I went and I checked it and I was like, okay, this is going to be a really weird adventure. We're going to go. So I came home and I said to him, Hey, you want to, we're moving to Washington. You want to, and he goes, okay, great. When are we leaving? So we moved and we moved to Washington and I ended up teaching there too. So I was teaching at that school then, and my son went there and he was there for two years. Then I was teaching there for one year. Then And I started developing my own program in that time that I left. Then the school lost its funding. So after the school lost its funding, they closed its doors. A group of parents came to me and said, hey, listen, will you help us co-create? Will you found, will you help us put this together? So that's what we did. So a group of parents and myself, we co-created it was called the Rainier Academy of the Rainier Academy. And so we put that program together and we had little children ages three, four, six, and to 10, up, up until 10. And we were able to do all of the work regular within a regular community, within a regular curriculum, you know, regular teachers and um, accredited teachers. Everybody was accredited. And then we were also able to put in the focus work put in the psychic work, put in the telekinesis work. Unfortunately, we lost our funding. It's kind of difficult to keep funding in a program like this. You can imagine we lost our funding. And then that was the impetus, the catalyst for me to go solo and create the program that then I have now created. And that's Side Kids, correct? It's called the Side Kids Academy. Mm-hmm. And it's an online program that I've created now. Would you say that that's mostly teaching psychic stuff or it's an entire like online school with just regular curriculum as well? Oh, no, no. This is solely for children and adults to start learning how to raise their conscious awareness. That's part of it, learning how to not only do the phenomena of psychic abilities. So there's remote viewing in there. There is telepathy and there's intuitive development. And along along this scope, there's also focus and concentration. Children need to learn to focus and concentrate. It is not taught in our educational systems. Um, And I speak from back in the day when I taught. We just, all teachers would be like, focus, concentrate, concentrate. But who knows how to do that unless you're in a mindfulness program. And even mindfulness programs are not at the level of what I do with kids in terms of focus and concentration. So I put all of that together and that is in the side kids program. It is not, it's not, the Academy is evolving right now. And the course itself is for the child in us and each of us. So you do not have to be a child to be, to enroll in my program. You can be an adult who wants to learn easy way to develop their psychic abilities because the approach that I took is geared towards kids and their parents. When I was looking on your website, I saw something about bending spoons. Can you tell me more about that? (laughs) All right. So during the pandemic, um, I was, I decided I was going to go bend a spoon and I've wanted to bend a spoon for the longest time. Only I'm going to, I'm going to own it. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it. And then that was my self-talk and I'm thinking, oh, that's not going to look good. If you're psychic and you can do this and you can do some telekinesis, but you can't bend a spoon. You know, this is all going on in my head, right? This is, how are you going to look to yourself? I said, okay, you know what? Get over it. If other people can bend spoons, I can bend a spoon also. 
So a friend of mine had posted a YouTube video online and he was, it was a live, a live bend a spoon group of people getting together. So I went in, I grabbed a spoon and I sat on my couch. It was in a, it was actually, I remember this day. I so remember this day. It was a crazy experience for me. So I sat on the couch. It was sometime in October. I took that spoon. Now, under normal circumstances, if you take that spoon, it will not bend. It is metal. It will not bend. And so I said, okay, I'm going to put all of my disbelief away. And he put us into a very meditative state. And I had my spoon over here. I'm holding it. And I kind of fell asleep, but I wasn't really asleep. I was in deep. I was past alpha, okay? Wherever I was mentally, I was pretty deep. And all of a sudden, I heard him say, bend, bend. And I went like that. And the spoon bent. My heart started beating like crazy. My face turned five shades of red. I think I got up. I started dancing. Wow. It was in. It was incredible. And from that moment on, then I said, okay, now I can do this. So I started teaching some of my adult uh, people in a psychic development course that I was conducting during COVID online through Zoom. And we were bending spoons and forks and twisting. And it was really great fun. Then I got bored after I started bending a lot. I have a big bag of spoons and forks right now. And then after twisting them and doing all of these things with them, I have to tell you the novelty of the spoon bending wore off. And it wasn't something that I would want to pursue or make a career out of spoon bending, if that makes any sense, because <laughs> I'm really, really too concerned with conscious awareness more than the phenomena. So for me, even what was more exciting than bending the spoon was to watch the actual thought process that went into my, my fear of would I be able to do this, my self-talk. So that was really um, really wild. And then once I bent that spoon, Jeff, that made such a difference though in my self-esteem, if that, it, it just made such a difference in my self-esteem. Cause I look at it like this, if you can bend a spoon and there's another thing that I'll talk to you about later, which is involves telekinesis, which is what we teach kids also. But if you can bend a spoon, if anybody can bend a spoon, well, look at your powers. Why would you be afraid to go for a job interview? Or why would you have self-talk that you couldn't do something very simple? So that is how I always look to transfer it. These are incredible mind abilities that we have. We have an incredible power within us. Why are we afraid? Oh, I'm afraid of public speaking. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid to write my book. Why? Why? You bend spoons. Why are you afraid? <laughs> when I think of bending spoons, it always takes me back to the Matrix movie, the very first one where the, the child is telling him, you're not bending the spoon. It's you that is bending or something like that. <laughs> is that anywhere relevant to what you saw or learned? It is the spoon. The spoon is doing it. Now, this is going to sound, who cares? So we're here. So here's the thing. I spoke to the spoon. All right. I talked to the spoon. And that was also the idea of the bend. Okay. Bend. Bend for me now. So I start to create a relationship to the object. Because for me, every object, we know that everything is made out of electricity. There's everything is electric. So every particle, who is to say these, these things are not alive, right? So therefore... I create a relationship to what it is that I'm going to be working with. So 
Yes. I want to expand a little bit more on fear because you mentioned that twice about fear was inhibiting you of doing that. Can you tell us more about fear and how to get over that? Oh, sure. So fear we have, you know, as humans, we have this, this, we're always a psychology shows us that we're basically afraid, you know, we're afraid that no one's going to like us. We have this unanswered question going, oh, am I going to be, you know, will they, will they like me? Will I be, you know, is anybody going to like me? And um, am I good enough? And those are all, those questions all go back to fear. That's just fear. You know, am I good enough? Is anybody care going to like me? And so, if we, everything that we have is built up almost on those two questions of internal conversation, am I good enough? And are people going to like me? So that is, again, the fear of getting it right. What is the fear of getting it right? Fear of looking bad. Okay. Then what if I look bad? Will anybody like me? All right. Will Mm -hmm. I be good enough? I was just talking the other day to someone that one of man's biggest fears is public speaking. But you just take that to the deeper level that, will anybody like me? And am I good enough? So if I'm public speaking and I'm tongue tied and they're going to be looking at me, what's really going underneath all of that is, am I good enough? And will they like me? Yeah, it's amazing. If the children learn this phenomena, can it influence their own belief systems? Absolutely. So let's take a look at if you're a young child and you have experiences with remote viewing, meaning you can see over time, distance and space, and you're able to, to read with your eyes, with your eyes being closed, and you can see words. What does that teach you about your own powers? It teaches you that you're very competent. It teaches you that you have an ability that is very powerful within you and that this ability has been then taught. It's not something that you woke up. I mean, it's all in us, but it does need a teacher. It's like being able to play piano. We do need, we need an instructor. We need to learn. We can put our fingers on the keys, but that doesn't mean we're going to make good, good music. And so it's the same. The more that a child has instruction in this area, the better they become. Then later on as an adult, they have that in the background again. So I'm able to do this. I'm able to do this. In your bio, you're an advisor to public figures, celebrities, and business professionals. How are they finding you? Okay, so this is this is what I, I just absolutely love this. I am 99% word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And so this started a long time ago. See, I used to, I've always done psychic readings uh, for the most part since I was in my 30s. And I used to do them from home. And so I had clientele from the back back in that nineties and the eighties. And then I worked for the Long Island Psychic Fair for a while. And I also worked for America's number one online psychic hotline Mm. for many years. I had a pseudonym and I would go teach and then I'd go home and do psychic readings. So I was pretty in, in some circles, I was already out there. Now, when it comes to working with politicians and celebrities, all it takes is one person and that word of mouth just goes. And so that's what happened. And I, one of the things that this is a personal belief that I have. And I think one of the reasons why people keep coming to me is because I'm highly, everything is anonymous. And even though there is no um, NDA or any of that stuff, 
for me, it is, I will never reveal who I read with. I will never reveal who I'm working with. If they want to share, that's fine. Most of them don't. And my, my clients are on, they're on magazines, they're on TV, they're out, they're in public office. Again, it's not, but who wants to be saying that they're, you know, so this is something that I totally respect. And so again, it's all word of mouth and um, that's where they came from. Do these public figures come to you asking about events in their own life? Or, yeah. or also, I'm just curious if any of these politicians are ever asking you to make decisions on public policy. I don't make decisions for anybody anyway. Right. Even for, even for anyone's life. So just to give you an example, if someone were to call me and they had they wanted a reading or they wanted advice or they wanted consulting and they said, well, do I go, do I buy this house or do I buy that house? Mm-hmm. I don't decide. We work with their, I work, we work together, they and I work together with their intuition until we get to the point where their intuition is so strong and so on target that they make the decision they make the choice. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. I just guide them. I would never make a choice or a decision like that. Um, I just, as an aside, I remember reading Nancy Reagan used a lot of Um, She used astrologers and her astrologer was also a psychic. And I remember reading that her astrologer also made decisions on public policies. Okay. So, you know, that is like, to me, to make a decision, this is just personal to make a decision for another person's life is a no, no in my book. That is not something. And the other thing, people who work with me also know that I am very, very select and careful in the words that I choose. And I will tell someone also, you know, we have to be careful because once you hear this, it may influence you. So we've got to be very mindful of if I tell you, boom, 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 you got to be careful. Because you can't believe, you just got to be careful. Once you hear something, you cannot unhear it. It's mm, interesting. When you're doing your psychic readings with people, do you use something to assist you like tarot cards or how do you do it? <laughs> I'm going to show you. So um, one of the things that I happen to love doing is I call it going into the zone. So I will take, I'm going to give you an example right now. I will start with a client and I will, that's where I start. So it's an empty slate. And then by the time I'm done, that is what happens. Mm-hmm. So I just, and I, I do my best. I can't, I don't like to use like when we're on zoom, I turn off my camera for this. All right. So I turn off my camera. It's I'm going, I go into the dark is what I call it to see. So when I go into the dark to see, I'll turn off my camera and then I'll just go in here. And by the time I come out, that blank will look like that. It reminds me of some of my NDE guests that when they first pop out of their body, they go into this dark black void, even though it can be very peaceful and comforting. And I think some meditation leaders will try to take you there as well during their Mm -hmm. meditation. Yeah. The more you can get into the dark, the better it is. Okay. To get into the void, that is, that is the best place to go to do the work. And even with blinders on the things that you can see with the blinders, just incredible. That's where we do our remote. I, when I'm working with the kids, I use blinders. We go into the dark to see. Do you ever work with people doing remote viewing, like finding missing people or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, 
I've worked on a few cases and with um and the results are always very interesting because they don't come back. There's no real, I don't get feedback. All right. I just don't get any feedback from, from certain people that I work with in terms of, oh yeah, we found them. Just let's, let's call, let's fill Ellie in. Okay. I don't get any of that feedback. I just got feedback once. Okay. Um, I have found a lot of animals that have pets that have gone missing and even been stolen, sometimes disappeared up for up to two weeks and they were able to be found. Do you think when you're working with your psychic abilities, is it more about paying attention to awareness or concentrating? Yeah, yeah. No, this is a good question. So for me, um, what happens is the the darker it is, the less distractions are around. Um, let's that's the point of going into like a short meditation or when it depends on what I'm working with. Like if I'm doing a reading, I'm so trained. I've got so many years of experience that I just have to go like that and I can go in. But if I'm doing something, let's say to find a missing person or to find a missing animal, that's where the the blinders come in. And that's going again to the void that is going to the space of nothing. And in that space of nothing, that is where the, the impressions, the the information that I am seeking begins to come to me. Yeah, so it's more just opening yourself up to awareness. You're not really concentrating on finding things. No, because that 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 um, one of the things I love about um, remote viewing is they actually gave language to certain phenomena. And one of the things in remote viewing, the terminology for that is an analytical overlay. So that is when we associate something that we already know. So example, um, what if I see something orange and it is round and it has lines in it? Okay. And I can say to you, Oh, well, that's easy. That's going to be a pumpkin, but it's a, it's a basketball. So you see, or it could be anything for that matter that we don't even know. And what if it's something that we don't even know that it doesn't exist yet because it hasn't been created. So we want to stay away from the AOL, the analytical overlay or the associative thoughts that will then come up when we start to see things. We have to stay really clear of that. What is your opinion on multitasking then? not possible (laughs) so you can only the brain really works on only focusing on one thing at a time so if you really want to focus if you're really focusing on it otherwise you're doing something but you're not really focusing to focus we focus on one thing so one of the things that i teach the children as early as age three is focused concentration. And when we do focus work, I call it tucking away the body. So they'll sit quietly and they can close their eyes or they can even stare at a candle. And the instructions are, do not move, do not twitch, do not itch, do not touch, nothing, nada. Sit here, look at this candle, 10 seconds. That's all. Let's practice. And so what happens with that kind of focus concentration, once you learn how to start doing that kind of work, you can get into the zone as an adult much easier so that you are not distracted by all of these other things because we are masters of distractions. You know, we know this, our phone, emails coming in, things that are happening outside. So we think we're multitasking, but we're really not. And that's when, you know, that's why we don't remember something or we like, oh, where'd I put my keys? Well, if you had focused on where you were putting your keys for that quick second, you'd know where those keys were. So there, it was unconscious. 
of where you put them because you were multitasking on the phone, doing whatever it is that you're doing. Now, to just take that a little bit further, children who are taught to focus and who are taught to be able to put their awareness at a, at a specific point in time and place, um, even in their own body or in their own, in their mind, these children develop higher emotional intelligence. This is studies have been done. I don't can't cite the studies right now, but I have them in my book. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Studies have been done on this work. Emotional intelligence leads to more success. It leads to people being, obviously, it leads to conscious awareness. And then these are people who have emotional intelligence. And then children who have emotional intelligence at an earlier age tend to uh, take on leadership positions later on in life, or they become, they have positions of influence for the larger good if that makes sense, because that is just the way that they have been taught, as opposed to children who have very little self-control, very little emotional intelligence. Research has shown that they end up, believe it or not, becoming a burden to society. As they get older, they can go into criminology. They can become criminals. They can become sick. You know, they they don't take care of their health, yada, yada. So they become they become a burden to society. The lower your emotional intelligence, the the more of a problematical life, problematic life you will have down the line. Do you think you can give us any basic tips with just being psychic? You know, easy things that we can do, just like you did with just focusing on a candle. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. Um, One of the things I just, and this is a little, I have to do a little aside. So a little plug for something. I created a 16 page guide. That's a lot of stuff. And it's called six, um, it's called what if, and it's six ways to tap into your child's inner magic. And if you go to my website, www.psykidsacademy.com, you can download that, that free guide. And in that free guide, I have really great activities to develop, um, to begin to develop intuition for children and the child in us. So just another way that this will work, okay, that you can develop your, we call, you know, you want to use the reticular activating system, use that vocabulary, but it's also developing awareness. So you say to your child, okay, or you say to yourself, you know what, today I'm going to go out and I'm going to find a feather or make it a little bit more challenging, depending on where you live. If you live in, I'm going to find a a nickel or I'm going to find a penny or I'm going to find something. And then watch how you your reticular activating system all of a sudden starts to go to look for that and so this is even though this is a the beginning of psychic awareness and intuitive awareness and these are things that we can do with ourselves and we can do this with our children or little people to start the conversations because it is all about the conversations that you have with others and with yourself do you think that you had any type of paranormal event that started your psychic abilities? Uh, yeah. Or else they just came to me. So the first, there's a slew of them and they started when I was really young, Jeff. So the first one, the first one was a dream that I can still remember. I must've been four years old and I dreamt that I was stuck in a log 
And the more that I screamed to get out of the log, the bigger my body became. And then the calmer that I got, and in the dream, I actually went to prayer. I used prayer. So as I started to pray, my body got smaller and smaller and smaller. And I was able to get out of the log. And I woke up with an awareness and an understanding that screaming and fear, and I didn't have vocabulary for all of this, but I woke up with an understanding that screaming and fear would never get us to where we needed to go. What we would need to do is to go into prayer, which later has been proven, okay, again, scientific prayer works, okay, because it does a lot of things to the mind and to the body, and it also has direct, you know, collective consciousness. So somewhere along the line, that happened. And then I had perhaps a near-death experience, even though I never thought of it as a near-death experience until much later. So I was in a swimming pool and we were swimming and I was holding somebody's hand. I was really little and they, somebody kept pushing me down and I couldn't come up for, I mean, a kid was actually pushing me down and I couldn't come up for air. And so I just pretty much passed out and then, up. So I don't know if it was a really a near death experience, but it really felt like I was dying when I was little. Okay. At that moment in time. And so I was like, oh, this, you know, this is interesting. This was very, very interesting. I looked to make sense of it later as an adult and didn't quite, but the thing that happened was the swimming instructor who was holding my hand at that time, she ended up passing away um, shortly thereafter. Uh, and then I dreamt that I was holding her hand and walking. And I remember looking at her and saying, in my dream, you know, you're dead. Why are we walking together? And then she said to me again, Jeff, this is not the vocabulary that I probably had when I was six. And she said to me, the dead walk among the living, but only few can see us. Hmm. And wow. that was the beginning. Wow. That was, that was, that was it. Mm -hmm. There is a, a medically known syndrome out there. It's called acquired savant syndrome. And the acquired version is you have some kind of impact to your nervous system. And then it results in people like having math abilities or certain abilities. But I've kind of felt like you can also get psychic abilities. I find it especially common in near-death people because, you know, coming close to death, there's some kind of impact to your nervous system. And that kind of, you know, is a catalyst for everything that's happened. That's made me curious if that has happened to you. And it seems possible. It does. I'm going to look into that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, and, and here's the other thing that, that, cause I often wonder, it's not to so I often wonder why is this come so easy for me? And why do I see other people struggling? So with this so much when it's mm -hmm. so easy, yeah. it's just so easy. Yeah. And then I, I wonder, then I say to myself, you know, oh, maybe it's their self-talk. It's their self-talk. And because of their self-talk, it's their upbringing. It's the way that, you know, but what comes so easily and so natural to me is a struggle for other, for some of the people that I work with. Yes. Yeah. I first learned about this from a guest I had, Paul Anthony Wallace, and this is a way different discussion. And I don't know how you're going to respond to this, <laughs> but he basically was saying that, you know, we were genetically engineered by aliens and they made us too smart and they had to dumb us down. But, and, and every now and then when you have some kind of impact that turns that back on. Okay. So I'm going to tell you my theory, yeah. which is kind of along his, there's a, nah, it's, 
Um, and I, when I shared this with my son, one of my sons, my son said, mom, don't tell anybody this. <laughs> you don't want people to hear this. I actually believe that humans were very, we were extremely intelligent. We have amazing abilities only we've got these two implants and they're in the back of our head. And it's like, not good enough. Does anybody love me? Mm-hmm. And those two implants in the reptilian brain keep us small. So every time we do something that's really fabulous and wonderful, those two implants are back in there. Oh, no, no. What if they don't like, just like, oh, your son coming. I'm my son coming. Don't tell anybody, mom. Okay, right. Why? Um, they won't like me. I won't be good enough if I tell people that I think there are two little implants in the back of our head that say, am I good enough? And does anybody like me? And those two babies could be somehow removed, even psychically psychically removed. I kind of do that operation with some of my clients, but I have to remind them that we're doing this operation. A lot more things become possible when you feel that those two implants, or I call them implants, have been removed. Imagine imagine if that that I'm not good enough and will anybody like me were removed out of our brain, out of our, our thinking, our consciousness. That would say, hey, you know what? We can do anything. We can let's do some telekinesis and it'll work. Let's do this and it'll work. Let me go do public speaking. It'll work. I can teach myself anything. Do you think famous people, especially in art, music, theater, television, are people that have actually come to this realization that I don't care what people think? I'm just going to do what I want to do. Absolutely. There's there's this point where it's like other people's opinions for most, not everybody. I think some actors who still, and some famous people who still, still struggle with what do other people think of me? Mm-hmm. And am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Some people are able to get over it. And I think others are still dealing with it today. And that's, that kind of, to me, explains the drug, the drugs, the alcohol, uh, the drama, all of the problems, you know, you'll see an actor, really great, fabulous actor, and all of a sudden, or actress, and then their career goes down the toilet. Why? Self-sabotage. You say, why? Okay. And again, it's like, am I good enough? You know, does anybody love me? Am I good enough? Do you teach how to get over those two? I do. I do. Oh, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> are you are you a hundred percent cured of that? Of course not. <laughs> but I remind myself, I do remind myself, and that again, you know, as long as those two, even if we pretend the implants are gone, if I call them implants, right? But because they are part of us, really, okay. For me, it's a conscious awareness. So when I'm about to do something and I sound like, whoa, I have that self-talk moment where it's like, okay, who's running the show right now? Who's running the show? Not good enough. Will anybody love me? Move out. They're gone. Move over. Not good enough. Let's go. You could do this. It seems like some cultures even magnify the problem. Like within cultures, people are worried even more about, you know, looking bad or embarrassing the culture. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then this gets into another conversation that 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 I teach also, which again is language. Um, our thoughts creating, you know, I really spend a lot of time in the language that we use and the language that we lose. And then looking at um, the belief systems, cultural beliefs, you know, I got a whole chapter of that in here also. So mm-hmm. we really, I work on that too. So I currently have, I currently am working with somebody from another culture where 
we're at, we are so working on that cultural, on the cultural beliefs that were programmed into her from the subconscious. And what do we do with that now? Do you want to continue to live in that limited paradigm, in that limited box of a world that you know doesn't, is not even real? Or do you want to break free from that? So again, it's, I think that if somebody has a handholder, they're able to break free from these um, easier or more easily than if they had to do this necessarily by themselves. So I perceive myself in my work when I'm working with people that have these cultural um, limitations, okay, so to speak, that I'm there to help hold the hand, their hand. All right. I've noticed you raise your book a couple of times. I believe it's called Children Who Know How to Know. Can you tell us a little yeah. more about it? Sure. So Children Who Know How to Know <laughs> is a resource guide for um, anybody, adult or educator or parent, anybody, even for a, an adult themselves, to learn how it's simple, learn how to access and develop your intuitive and psychic abilities. And I run through each chapter, like intuition, the brain, um, some of the things that we spoke about right now, thought and language, um, mindfulness, awareness. And then I have um, chapters on what happens next after we teach ourselves telepathy and remote viewing, out-of-body experiences, how to see auras. All of that is in there in, in my final chapter, like what lies beyond. You have a couple other books. Can you tell us about those? Sure. Thanks for asking. So I have uh, my first book was written um, in two thousand. 10 and this is annabelle and the domino this is based on a truth a children's book this is based on a true story a true account of a little girl who moved the domino with her mind uh through the process of telekinesis now a little backstory on that these children that i was working with these children were brought up in an environment in in a culture where anything is possible so that was so to move an object with their mind would be like yeah of course we just got to practice so there was a little girl i've had two children in the course of my entire only two children in the course of my entire career who were able to move an object with their mind. It's not an easy task. It takes a lot of focus, it takes a lot of focus, sitting still, awareness, uh, belief. So that is the book. It, it's a cute story. It's got great illustrations um, and it's inspirational and empowering. And it's for any, any, any age. So that's my other, that's my second book. And then the third book that I'm a contributor to this, and this was done with Betsy Chassie, What the Bleep, anybody who remembers the movie, What the Bleep. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is a compilation of stories. And I have a chapter in here on go on the move west okay and jumping into the unknown of what that was like to leave a suburban environment and teaching in new york city and going into a very rural environment building a home and kind of almost sometimes at times being off the grid and what was that process like jumping into you know really go moving into the unknown all right you've got side kids do you have any other websites well, I have my my website, which is elliemolina.com, which is my the that's the website that I use for people who want to come to me for psychic readings or people who want to work with me in one of my two programs. And the two programs that I have for adults 
uh, right now that is not about psychic development. One of them is called quantum leaping. And this is where we use intuitive intuitive abilities and a lot of mind conscious awareness to get results in our life. So I, I look at it like, hey, let's part the seas. You want something? Let's learn how to part the seas. And we can go, we can go after it and we can generate this. And uh, it's a highly effective program. And I have a lot of people that have incredible, incredible stories of results. And then my second program is the Mind Power Edge which is a little bit slower than quantum leaping. And there, again, we use mind power techniques. We use um, consciousness. We use awareness. We use uh, psychic abilities to get what, to have the life that we say we want. So those are the two programs. And then I have my online kids Academy, which is scikidsacademy.com. And there's a membership site where I discuss things with adults and that can be used for children or not. And then there's the SciKids um, Make Magic Happen course, which is part of the SciKidsAcademy.com. And that is where um, I teach psychic development and intuitive development to children and adults. Are you on any other social media? I am, Jeff. I'm on LinkedIn and that's Ellie Molina. And then I'm on Instagram, Ellie Molina One. I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. It's called Psy Kids Academy. I have a weekly live podcast on Podbean, but it's it's on all the platforms. Mm-hmm. And that's called Ask Ellie Intuitive Insights and Your Questions Answered. And on that show, people call in and they can ask questions. They can ask psychic questions. They can ask any kind of question, really. Or I have guests come. And then after my guests speak, callers can ask questions. So that's a live show. And when it's not, when occasionally when it's pre-recorded, then they can still ask me questions later, but that's Ask Ellie Intuitive Insights. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cause I wanted to ask if people, you know, had any questions after watching this podcast, how to reach out to you. So where would they send their questions to? Ellie, E-L-L-Y at Ellie Molina, M-O-L-I-N-A.com. So people can reach out to me there. You have anything else you're working on that you want us to know about? Oh, yeah, I am. So, <laughs> so there's a couple of things. Uh, thing number one is that I'm going to call it like a fluke. I'm working on a platform called Thinkific. That is where my online course is being hosted. And they announced that they were doing a once a year conference um, called Amplify 2022. And Lisa Nichols from The Secret was the um, she was the keynote speak. She is the keynote speaker. And when I saw that, remember, I have an association to 2005, the secret starting to teach all of this. Lisa Nichols was in the secret and they were looking for two people who wanted to compete to present at this conference. And the name of their conference was so similar to the program that I had created for 2022. And my my motto for 2022, I said, all right, I'm going to follow the signs because I believe in following signs and not breadcrumbs. Signs are big, breadcrumbs are little, and they can disappear really quickly. So I followed the signs and I said to myself, all right, I'm going to do this. I don't know if they're going to take my course or my program or my my topic because my topic's a little bit out of the box. And so they chose, I won. <laughs> I won 
was one of the two winners. So I will be presenting. The tickets are free. Um, if anybody emails me at ellie at elliemolina.com, I can send the links to the tickets. Lisa Nichols will be there presenting. Um, I will and many other people. Also, it's a two-day event. You come as you want to. And so I'm working on that. And then I'm also building out the scikidsacademy.com. So there are going to be more programs. And lastly, I'm finishing up a book that I've been writing for many years. It is a, I don't even want to call it, it started off, Jeff, as sci-fi, but I'm not even sure it's sci-fi anymore. So it's about a kid and portals. We know portals are real. It's remote viewing. We know remote viewing is real. It's about um, espionage and some love. It's it's full of intrigue. So I'm, I'm finishing that up and I intend to get that out there during 2022, 2023. Do you have any predictions for 2022? That's interesting. Um, in 20, this is a little history in 2015, I made a lot of predictions and they didn't come true for 2016, but they started coming. One came true for 2016 and so many came true thereafter that it was frightening. And I even took it down because people were responding. It was on my old website and I removed it, but I still have that. And so what I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have a blank for 2022 a real blank. Now you could say, oh, that's really scary for 2022. You've got a blank. Okay. And I have this, this is just where I go with this is because I pulled a blank for 2022, I really intuitively feel that people, individuals are going to create where and what kind of world they are going to live in. And that is why for me, it was just a blank. So I could not predict what a collective consciousness is going to do right now, because for me, it's, there is no, there is no, um, society has split. There's the news and what we watch in third dimensionality. And then there's the rest of the rest of the world and what goes on. And so depending on where your conscious awareness is, where you're going to put your focus, that will determine what it will look like for 2022 for you. Hmm. You know, will we still have cars? Yeah. Will we, you know, will we have homes? Yeah. Um, will we be heading towards inflation? Yeah. Um, will we see Jimmy Carter days? And if anybody's old, old enough to remember Jimmy Carter, okay, and if not, they can Google search Jimmy Carter. Uh, will we see Jimmy Carter days? We can, unless things start to change very rapidly. And I'm very, and I'm the ultimate optimist. So I'm very optimistic that this is going to be halted again. Be halted. Notice I'm speaking from like something outside greater than us, but through our collective consciousness that we then halt this from happening and go on to a different trajectory of what's next for 2022. So for me, 2022 is going to be the best year ever. And that was my motto. And that's why when they did think epic and they said, make this your best year ever. And I had put out on my own website, um, not my website, on my emails that 2022 will be your best year ever. And I, I am dedicated to anybody that I work with that 2022 will be their best year ever that they can actually say 2022 was my best year ever. So that's how I'm 
facing 2022, no matter what gets thrown at us from what sources and wherever. I think that's great. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Aside from the fact that you can do it, you really can do it. So you set your intention, you make sure that your language and your self-talk are in alignment with what it is that you want. And you constantly monitor that self-talk and your awareness and you could have whatever you want. Honestly. Ellie, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you for having me today. All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.